Welcome to That The High Podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. On today's episode, we talk about the Hornets doing absolutely nothing at the trade deadline. We talk about all the other trades going on around the league, how they affect the Hornets going forward, the Hornets losing games, who's buzzing and wasn't, and a look ahead to the Hornets' last three games before the All-Star break. Let's get started. What's up, guys? Welcome to the At The Hive podcast. It's trade deadline day special. As always, it's Jonathan, and I'm joined by Zach. Zach, I know you're doing great today, right? Ahoy, Jonathan. I'm on Ahoy. a boat going down 77 with the water that's coming down. It's been <laughs> raining all day. Yeah, it was It was like a hurricane rolled through here out of nowhere uh, in the in the Charlotte area, for those of you, probably most of you are in the Charlotte area. So, yeah. Tornadoes too, a couple. Yeah, all like, tornadoes. Uh, I saw. Hit, hit. I, did it hit in Charlotte? I saw one touchdown in Kannapolis that I Kannapolis, saw in Gastonia, I think. Um, but yeah, I hope everybody was safe today. <laughs> but yeah, I had a little bit. <clears throat> sorry, I had a little bit of the flu <laughs> this week, so please excuse me. I'm not going to make a flu game pun because I'm not a hat, <laughs> Jonathan. I'm not a hat, yeah. but I didn't, I'm going to bring it up. Make sure you wash your hands after you listen to the episode so you don't get sick from Zach. Do you um, think that like the Spectrum Center lost internet access or phone communications and that's why they weren't <laughs> active during the trade deadline? It could be. I saw that uh, James Borrego canceled a, uh interview with WFNZ today, like kind of last minute. And the speculation was that it could be because of trade discussions. But no, it's probably just internet went down. Just, just the weather. Yeah. <laughs> He is gonna make. He's gonna make a call from his from his house, and he's like, "I can't. I got no service. Internet's gone." <laughs> but you know what? We're on can't the pod do, can't because do. that's the commitment we have. <laughs> yes, I've I've got no power, but I've managed to create some internet out of some sticks and and leaves out of the out of the yard. Now we're here. We go. But at the Hornets, we're just rambling because the Hornets didn't give us anything to talk about today. There's no. There are no trades to talk about. At the trade, the Hornets made zero trades for the second trade deadline in a row. Do you count? Here's a question for you, Zach. Do you count the sign-in trades of Terry Rozier and Kimball Walker, and then exchange of them as like a regular, like a real trade? Oh no, I don't. Because if if it's like a means world, if I had to live in a world where we traded Kimball Walker for Rozier, although Rozier has not been bad this year, he's no Kimball Walker. I, I just can't do that in my head, Jonathan. So yeah, it's more of just like a means to sign a free agent, right? Exactly. So it's not we're not going to call it a trade. Okay, so then if you do that, the Hornets haven't made a trade since July of 2018. Did you know that? I did not know that July of 2018. Um, is that's not who who did we trade? Who did we get? It was when we did like the Dwight Howard for Timothy Mozgov and then traded Timothy Mozgov for Bismarck Biombo and we got like four second round picks from the trades. 
that was the that was the last trade that the Hornets have made. And then Mitch yeah. Kupchak's just like, "All right, see you." I'm out. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think it's bad that we we didn't make a trade in this trade. Deck. No, I don't think so at all. I see. I think like anybody, I see all these first round picks going around. A bunch of these second round picks, specifically the Miami ones, going around. And I'm like, hey, man, it would have been great if Charlotte would have been able to get some of these. And I could also spit out some people that we could have traded. However, I'm all right with us being where we, the team that we are right now, going forward and into the rest of the year, right? Yeah, like, the there are things the Hornets could have done. Like I said in the my little, like, recap of the Hornets not doing anything, like, it would have been nice... Mostly Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams is like the only real trade piece the Hornets had. That was not a young guy. And it would have been like, oh, maybe the Hornets could have convinced the Clippers that Marvin Williams is a better fit than Marcus Morris or whatever. But other than that, it's like, yeah, there's nothing. There's no trade that had to happen, right? Like, There's no trade that had to happen. We talked about on the last podcast, or I did, about Devontae Graham, how mm-hmm. his performance has been an outlier in his career, and it would be great to cash in on something like that. <laughs> but I can also understand wanting to keep him and wanting him to grow with all these other young pieces that we have on the team. So I, I get that, too. I, I could balk at not, not trading him. But, yeah, even the Marvin Williams thing, most likely he's paid too much, really, in any to be any strong trade piece. And honestly, Jonathan, mm. we might see him get bought out later on in the season. Which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Just, you know, do him a favor, especially because he hasn't really been playing as much and let him go try to play for something meaningful because he definitely deserves to be able to do that. But what I think the big thing that I think the big reason for the inactivity today was I, Mitch Kupchak. And I, this is what I hope is the reason for it. I hope it wasn't just him like, you know deciding to take the day off and forgetting it was the trade deadline um, was <laughs> the Hornets will have about $50 million come off the books with kid Gilchrist, Biombo and Marvel M salaries. And I think he really values the $30 million of cap space. The Hornets are going to have with all those contracts gone. Cause you can do a lot with that. Not, not to sign people. That's the big, and we'll, I want to talk about this, something on this uh, line later. The Hornets are not clearing cap space to sign people in the sense that they're not going to go out and use $30 million to sign somebody to like a three-year $90 million contract. Like a one-person contract. Yeah. It's not to use that space to sign a player to make the team better. At least I hope not. And I don't think they will. Use that cap space like what the uh, the Pacers did by giving the Suns the Suns just gave t- the Pacers T.J. Warren and gave him a pick just so they could get rid of him. The Warriors gave the Grizzlies Andre Iguodala in a first round pick just so that they could have space for D'Angelo Russell. Like Using that's how you use space to create draft capital. That's what you're saying? You create right? draft capital with it. Yeah, yeah. Either through that method of like teams saying, "Hey, we need space for this and other trade. Can you just take away this big money player from us so we can do it?" Or you do, I think the Suns did this a couple of years ago. Um, the Knicks basically just did with Marcus Morris. You sign a, a useful player to one year overpriced deal, like 10 or $15 million, but it's just one year. And then when a contender needs that player, 
you see if you can uh, you can flip him to that contender at the trade deadline, you know, as the as the season goes on. And if you can't, they come off the books and you have like sixty million dollars of cap space next summer. That's yeah, and, the and plan. if there are pieces for us to sign, I think is it, Graham's got one more year on his deal. Yeah, and, one more year at like one point five million dollars. Right. So you can talk extension if you want to with that cap space. Mm-hmm. There's just different things. You can be more flexible if you have the cap space. And if you made some kind of trade that took some of that cap space, that accounted for some of that cap space, I don't think it would have been worth it, at least with the people that were being talked about around this trade deadline that we would have been involved in. Yeah. like I know like there's things like the, the Hornets could have gotten Andre Drummond but why would I'm the so Hornets happy do that? that? He just makes. Happen. Gosh, I'm so <laughs> yeah. happy that didn't happen. <laughs> the, I like, I like yeah. Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond is kind of a a different type of player for a different type of NBA. You know, Andre Drummond can be mm-hmm. really helpful. Uh, on the it reminds me a little bit of when we had Al, Big Al, in that he has those moves on him. He has a better outside shot than Big Al did, but. Andre Drummond is is a traditional center, and you're gonna have to pay him, and it's gonna be a lot of money, you know. Yeah, if if you trade for Andre Drummond, um, I don't think he move he de- he doesn't move the needle very much. He's especially as a center, like you said, a traditional center. He's not going to make a team much better by himself because he's you know he needs more competent players around. He, a center of his mold has to be like a complimentary player. He can't be a centerpiece. So he, all he's going to do is marginally make the Hornets better and impact their draft status negatively. And then he's if he opts out, you've just traded away an asset for a half a season rental and a season where you're like terrible anyway. So that doesn't help you at all. And if he opts in, you're now spending every single dollar of that cap space on Andre Drummond next summer, which doesn't seem like a good idea. No, not not to me either. And so like, we'll, it'll be interesting. All right, so... The biggest deal that I think I saw, and it, it'd be interesting to see what you you think the biggest deal was of the trade deadline, was the, was mm-hmm. the Warriors trade. I know you could think about the the Rockets trade being the biggest deal because it had so mm-hmm. many moving pieces, but the Warriors <laughs> it was literally the, the biggest deal. Yes, yeah, <laughs> give D'Angelo Russell to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins, when they're basically on the same um, contracts. Uh, and the Warriors got a top three protected first round pick for next year and a, a second round pick. And then if they don't get that top three pick next year, it becomes unprotected in uh, 2022. And I thought to myself when that happened, I was like, man, if D'Angelo Russell with what he's getting paid had that type of value, you know, how much does someone who has the, the three point uh, making ability of a Devonte Graham and is just starting to become a, a, a team manager, a, a yeah. very a decent point guard. What kind of value does that bring? You know? Yeah. Um, there's... But, you know, I guess <laughs> hey, you we, put but so many different scenarios. There, there you know, the one thing you're forgetting in that is that as far as I'm aware, Carl Anthony Towns isn't good friends with Devonte Graham. That right. Yeah. So, <laughs> chemi- chemi- I think, thing. I think the Timberwolves are so scared that Carl Anthony Towns is going is getting fed up that they had like we have to get his best friend no matter the cost. 
I don't know if D'Angelo Russell is actually his best friend, but I know they are friends and they've been wanting to play together. And they're like, we just have to get something here to make him happy. Even if we suck, at least we get, he gets to have it be on a terrible team with his friend, and that'll keep him happy. But I think that was another – but I think that trade was big for another reason that affects the Hornets, and that just is – that's a team that's right around the Hornets in the standings that should be better the rest of the season. Yeah. And then I think the Drummond trade does that as well, even if I don't think he helps them a lot and is a really weird fit for the Cavs. And, but, and those people are competing for picks that we could get, you know, closer to that number one, number two, mm-hmm. number three pick in the draft. They get better and we can look continue to be the the not great NBA team that we are right now. It's a bad team. Yeah. I'm not being negative. It's a bad team. Um, We've won. They, they they've won three out of the lose. last nineteen. It's yeah. not great, Bob. It's not great. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but so... Jonathan, we weren't active in the trade deadline. Um, what? Why are they ruining the team? Why? Why does this team not know what they're doing? Shouldn't they be helping bigger markets? Um, and by <laughs> sending not... Marvin Williams. They they should not be generically helping acting as a as a stock as a warehouse of useful players to be given to you to to more important teams whenever they feel like it as the Hornets so often seem to be. And I guess you want me to talk about the, what I vented about before the show, right? Yeah, I I just want like on a more local level. We, yes, your point is valid that that local media doesn't help the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, so what I was saying to Zach before the show, and I'm not going to to name specific names like I did to Zach before the show. I will. But the Hornets, me guys, (laughs) (laughs) Eric Collins. Um, But no. (laughs) Uh, So the Hornets have done themselves no favors in attracting or generating positive fanfare and positive attention from the local market and local fans and stuff. But I think they're getting no favors by people who are given significant attention to cover the team and are given significant respect in their opinions about the team. Um, Today, there was a good example of um, another outlet similar to this one. And they basically spent like the last hour, like an hour long stretch between like two 30 and three 30 or four o'clock, like, you know, around the end of the trade deadline, just, like whining about the Hornets not making a deal and just saying that Hornets unequivocally lost the trade deadline just because they didn't make a trade. Like, I understand if you disagree with a move the team makes or whatever. I don't know how you can lose a trade deadline. I don't know how you lose a trade deadline in general. I don't know how you fail just because you didn't do something. You know, like... If there were something they should have done and they didn't do it, that's very clear. I can understand that frustration. But just being like, I wanted them to make a trade because I'm bored and they didn't, so they're they're terrible. Like that we need, doesn't we need help. And when you have and they didn't, make yeah, a trade. and yeah, and when you have thousands of people that follow you, and I don't know how what they're you know what the people that follow them think, but like thousands of people follow them as like a legitimate. Thousands people follow these places they as have legitimate sources. They have, yeah, yeah. Or that they've done something like they have a certain level of knowledge or expertise to suggest that they know what they're talking about more than the average fan. So their opinion should be taken 
with like extra weight and you just use that platform to go like on uneducated fan rants because the team didn't do something you thought they should have done even though you don't know you don't have anything that they should have done it's very frustrating to me and it doesn't help the hornets when that stuff is out there just floating around the social media world being like here go the incompetent hornets today when like i said you could disagree with what they did today but there is a legitimate good reason for them to not make moves Yes, and I kind of have a problem with the generality of the statement as well. Look, Mm -hmm. I am the first one to talk about (laughs) when they make boneheaded moves. Oh, yeah. You know, when they give contracts that that are too big and and when the play on the the court is bad. But specifically, who is bad? What moves should they make? Um, uh, Mm -hmm. I work at a bank and I, I have employees. And every time I'm like, if you're coming with a problem, come with a solution. Give me a reason, Mm -hmm. you know, give me a different way to go. And uh, I don't mind it if you have a different, different opinion than what the head office does. I do, I do mind it when what you're out to do is get retweets. What you're out to do is get followers and you'll trash the team that you're covering in order to do that. And I'm not for it. And I know you didn't want to say it on wax about it, but I'm, I'm glad you did because (laughs) it's important, (laughs) you know, when, when, Kemble Walker is 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 deciding whether or not he's going to leave Charlotte, and an editorial comes out, and the ma- one of the ma- the major newspaper in in the region saying that he should leave for his own good. It just doesn't help the team. It doesn't help the region. It doesn't help the city, and it, mm-hmm. it upsets me too. It does. Yeah, I think is, and I think as a responsibility is a general rule, like not a rule, but like I, th- I think you have a responsibility if you're going to cover a team. Um, not to say you can't have opinions; opinions are important, and backing up your opinions with facts needs to be done more. But that's that's cool. But I think there needs to be space where you explain the reasoning behind what the team is doing. Like there are different ways to do things, and so like the Hornets. Like last summer, I thought the Hornets should have re-signed Kimball Walker. They didn't. I didn't like the move, but I can explain what I think they're thinking and why it's not wrong, quote unquote, for them to do what they did. Because there's no, it's an opinion, you know. There's no right and wrong way to do things. And I well, think it's wrong, very irresponsible. About that, but I, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I think it's very irresponsible to frame things that way, you know, just to be like, yeah. this is not what I, I would have made a massive mistake. Which I you can like, they're sep- Yeah, they have to be separated. Because I've written things too where it's like I don't. The Hornets need. To, I think the Hornets should do this because of these reasons. But I also, in certain situations, think the Hornets. Like I said, I think the Hornets should have tried if they didn't to move Marvin Williams, especially to the Clippers, because that was a pretty good haul that the Knicks got for it. But they didn't, and I understand that maybe that was not on the table, or there are reasons for them to not want to do that. And that is so, you know. There's a balance in the Hornets. In the Hornets, by staying pat, like you've said before, Atlanta has gotten better. Uh, the Cavaliers have gotten better. The people who are competing for for upper draft picks have gotten better, which means they're going to win more games, and we're going to continue to be the team that we are. Which the end result is that the team is going to get better if we get better draft picks. Yeah, the team will be better in 2022 because of them not doing anything because they didn't do anything rash in 2020 like picking and that's up the andre that's the yeah. <laughs> like picking up an andre drummond who would have made us better is what i mean yeah who who would have made us yeah, better yeah who made us better right this now. season yes yeah 
which is not what you're looking. You're not trying to get five games better, you know? Yeah. And then what we both kind of touched on, and I want to get more detail on before we take a break. So the Hornets currently sit four and a half games ahead of the Warriors for the worst record in the NBA. They are a half game ahead of the Timberwolves and a game and a half ahead of the two and a half games ahead of the Hawks, three games, three and a half games ahead of the Cavaliers. The Hawks should be significantly better. The Timberwolves should be significantly better. They should comfortably pass the Hornets by the end of the season. Uh, the Cavs should be a little better. I don't know how they play Andre Drummond with their current roster that already can't get big men involved because their guards don't know how to pass. But theoretically, they'll be better. And they I have mean, a they, chance to pass the Hornets, especially. Yeah, they just have to be, though. I don't, like you said, I don't know. <laughs> what's the starting lineup of that Cavs? <laughs> you you, like, you put you Kevin playing? Love at small forward. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then Tristan, Tristan Thompson. And... Power forward Tristan Thompson. I just that's but, that's a huge team. Um, I don't know what the, I don't know what what the idea was. Here's a yeah. So basically, the Cavs <laughs> trading for Andre Drummond would be the Hornets trading for Andre Drummond, and that's how I would see it. Like the Cavs gave up a terrible, like a useless pick, basically. But they they now have Andre Drummond for this season. For what? Like he doesn't fit at all. He doesn't make. They're gonna be terrible regardless. And then if he opts in. They are like at the salary cap next season for a team that's going to win twenty five games. I don't know what's going on there. I don't. I'm not sure they do either. It's not, that's that's not <laughs> our that, territory. <laughs> that's yeah, and that's why that's why the Hornets were good today because yeah. they didn't or yesterday because they didn't do that. They were not the Cavaliers. You never want to be the Cavaliers when they don't have LeBron James. <laughs> Yikes. At least, at least they had a LeBron James. <laughs> at least they had, Le- yeah. And LeBron James was not born in near Cleveland. They're a very different, uh, very differently perceived franchise. Anyway, we'll come Why back. Why didn't we with, pressure uh, Michael Jordan to come back to North Carolina? Is all I'm saying. When he was playing, <laughs> you know, that was before that was before the the player empowerment era, where players were allowed to basically pick whatever team they wanted to play for, uh, whether they were under contract or not. Don't don't you know yell logic at me on the podcast well we're gonna take a we're gonna take a break and we'll wrap up the show with buzzing it wasn't and a look ahead to what's up guys welcome back to that dive podcast it's time to wrap up the show with buzzing and wasn't and a preview for the next week or so of games. Zach, you want to start with who's buzzing? I would love to, Jonathan. So who's my buzzing is the upper management and coaching staff for sticking with the youth movement with these losses piling up. Um, you can, I'm sure it's frustrating for Borrego because NBA coaches want wins. They're born yeah. to want to win the game. But with these, these, Newer, younger players have to have minutes, have to have experience, even when they're losing, and even when the defense is really bad and it has to get better, and the rebounding isn't there and it has to get better. These these kids are putting up points. They are 
getting experience in these games and the coaching staff and the upper management is allowing them to have those minutes. You're seeing DNPs for everybody from Biombo to Batum. Obviously MKG hasn't seen the light of day in a long time, but you're allowing people to make mistakes and hopefully allowing them to grow inside actually playing the game versus teams that, that, you know, relegate their young players to the bench. Uh, uh, Fisher was, was, or uh, Clifford was notorious for not allowing young players to play. And that's not happening in the modern day Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. And then like another team, like, it's, it's like you said, it's very, I think it's very tempting when you're just losing and the players, like the young guys are probably not doing what they're supposed to do very often from a coaching's perspective, like they're missing rotations or they're not running the offense right and they're freelancing too much to just be like, all right, Marvin, Biz, MKG, you're going to do it, right? Go in there and just do it, what you're supposed to do. But credit to them for sticking with it. Like the Knicks had that problem this year. The Knicks have a similar roster construction to the Hornets and they've been just like trotting out Marcus Morris and Julius Randle and Taj Gibson all season. Well, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Young guys, while Mitchell Robinson's getting like 20 minutes off the bench and their second round picks and stuff are just not even getting in the game. Yeah, it makes so, yeah, it easier to them not for... to play your veterans when your veterans are Nick Batum and Bismack Piafo, But <laughs> Yes, I, that's I, true. I, but... Again, cheers to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> my my buzzing is is Miles Bridges because it's always Miles Bridges. Um, he gets he does get a shout out for plus about how bad he was. Um, his plus minus so, yeah, is but horrible, talk but about right he now. is scoring points at least. His plus minuses are horrible, but they're going up. Well, because I watch every game, they're going down in the negative number, which means they're going <laughs> in a positive direction. I get. They're what going you're closer to zero. <laughs> yes, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And from starting well below zero, they are approaching zero. Um. Which is funny because like the last few weeks, whenever I'm watching games or whenever I'm watching the box scores, I always check his plus minus specifically, and it's been better than the teams. Like if the Hornets lose by 15, like he'll have like a minus eight or something, where it's you know it's better than the team did as a whole. And I'm like, all right, Miles, I see you. But my real hey, buzzing, we have a lot of Miles stock at this podcast. A lot of Miles. My stock. my real buzzing is small ball. And do you mean do my, you mean like a, a baseball or yes or small a... or golf balls? Okay. Um, no, the Rockets, the Rockets have decided that they're just never going to play a real center again. Going How... so far as to trade their center today or yesterday for no reason or for no center in return. PJ Tucker, so he's a burly boy. PJ <laughs> <laughs> Tucker's a burly man. He can play center just fine. Um, they haven't lost since they stopped using a center. I mean like like they're three and oh the last three games and the last time they lost was when Clint Capella played. It was the last time Clint Capella played. I'm not saying it's you know it's Clint an Capella's ample fault, but uh, it's, ample a set, it's a fact. Yeah, yes it is. They yes, are is. Pl- <laughs> they're plus four point four points for one hundred possession when PJ Tucker plays center. So it's actually worked over the course of and that's in twelve hundred minutes over the course of the season. So, and they're going to have P.J. Tucker playing center. They'll probably have Robert Covington playing some center. I don't know. Tabo Savalosha play some center. I don't, so whatever. tell me how the Rockets' success, question mark, 
in small ball translates to your buzzing for the Hornets. Well, it's just small ball in general, but it does tie to the Hornets in that the Hornets don't have a good center of the future, and that's been cause for, for concern for many. And I'm here to say, let's actually not be concerned because apparently you can win with a six foot six center should you choose to go that route and you can play good offense around the five out style of play. I love it. I love this because it, it feeds back to not trading for Andre Drummond, not spending a bunch <laughs> of money. On Everything it, on ties it. back to not trading for Andre Drummond. <laughs> That's exactly right. Which brings me to my wasn't Andre Drummond. <laughs> and, love it. and the Detroit Pistons. Um, the Hornets got, got a lot of ire from both Hornets fans and national media outlets for not getting more in return for Kimball Walker. Uh, the Pistons, if in case you forgot, Andre Drummond was All-NBA third team in 2016. He was an All-Star in 2018. So he's been good in the relatively ne- recent past. The Pistons he for leads, Andre lead, Drummond. League and re- rebounding he is the, he might be the league. best. He's statistically like the best rebounder of all time. Or very close to it. The Pistons, in return for Andre Drummond, received the worst of the Cavs' two second-round picks in 2023. And that's it. Oh, oh, good sir. Good sir. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, surely you just... Uh, a Mr. John the Muppet Henson was in that <laughs> trade as well. He and, was. He uh, was. And is it was he a former Rookie of the Year, Brandon Knight? He wasn't Rookie of the Year, but he was a good he was, player at one point. For he was the traded Pistons. for MCW, who was Rookie of the Year. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> random. Uh, he was the worst of the second round picks. Yeah, so they own the Warriors' second-round picks, or Warriors' second-round pick in 2023. Whichever of those picks between theirs and Golden State's that comes later, that goes to Detroit. So, like, if the Warriors are still good in 2023, which they probably will be, if they're picking, like, 52nd, the Warrior, or the Pistons will basically have gotten the 52nd pick in the 2023 draft for Andre Drummond. That's I call just... that a loss. Yeah, that, that's an L. That's a big time, big time L. Um, what a, we were supposed to have wanted to give up a first round pick for him last year, and now they basically gave him away. So what a what a fall from grace there. That's it is crazy. And if we would have done that, I would have been livid. <laughs> and if I if we would have done that, you being the optimist would have talked me off uh, the bridge. And been like, oh, well, it's not a great deal. And then I would have been like, in the future, he would have been traded for a second round pick. <laughs> I was, um, I've never wanted the Hornets to go after Andre Drummond, so I'm, all, I'm on board with you, being happy that he, they get, that they didn't go after him. And this proves, it's just kind of further proof that sometimes the right move is making no move. Which is what we said the the Hornets front office did by by not being active during the trade deadline. Which brings me to my wasn't candidate. Which is the front <laughs> office of the Charlotte Hornets. Look, <laughs> I I defend them with people who don't get specific about their judgments about them. I, I get that we didn't make ourselves a l- incrementally better, which would worsen our chances in the draft. However, there were people that could have been traded. So we've already uh, named them, specifically Marvin Williams. And specifically to me, the, the person who is playing out of his mind right now, Devontae Graham, who, 
like this is an aberration, guys. He's he's going to regress to the mean in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean I don't root for the the guy. I love watching him play basketball, but I don't think this is the real Devontae Graham. How do you not take this little like <laughs> piece of gold, flex of gold that you found, and try to turn it in a big into a big nugget of of of, of draft capital? I can't believe there that they weren't even it did, there wasn't even rumors around it there was rumors about the Knicks wanting Malik Monk which I knew was never going to happen and then I heard something about uh uh MKG being a candidate for a small trade maybe to the Rockets to help with the trades that they were going to do and that never happened I would like the note to know the the thinking behind being not in the trade deadline at all. And I have a feeling that we tried to be in this trade deadline and couldn't make it work. Not that it was a it was a judgment call, just that they tried to do it and they couldn't make it work. And that's why they're my wasn't candidate. <laughs> However, I defended them earlier in the podcast because that's how we run this show. Yes, yeah, we can we you gotta see both sides. And a hundred percent. So now that all the, the dust is settled and a bunch of players are on new teams, the Hornets, they still have to play basketball. Um, yes. Yes, they do. They have. I heard. <laughs> there are three games left before the All-Star break. Uh, Saturday, they, they host the Mavericks, who do not have Luka. He's out for a few more games. Yeah, he, might not, he might just not play until the All-Star break because of a sprained ankle. And then they go to the, the Andre Drummondless Detroit Pistons and then to the now Andre Andrew, Andrew Wigginless, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. So lots of new faces the Hornets will be seeing. Lots of teams. Looking less. at this, like, yes, lots of less teams. Um, looking at this, what do you see any wins? First, I'll ask you. I mean, no. I think can you, that pre- the- can you predict a win when the Hornets are three and sixteen in their last nineteen games? If is it responsible I, I like, to predict a win? Yeah, it's. I do think it's irresponsible to, and I am not in the the mood. I don't know if it's it's because I'm recovering from the flu, because it's a it's a it's a tsunami outside. But it doesn't look <laughs> like we're winning a game anytime soon. And even without, I think that Detroit is our closest um, chance to a win, and I think they get better without Andre Drummond. I think Detroit is also. I also think they're the best chance at a uh, at a win, just because I think the Hornets are completely in their head. Yeah. Go for the, get that season sweep over the Pistons, just so you can say you did, and the Pistons can look back at this this season and be like, remember when the twenty twenty or the twenty nineteen twenty twenty season when everything fell apart, we lost Andre Drummond for nothing, and we got swept by the Hornets. That's, they're going to uh, look back like, at the t- <laughs> this season and think that exactly. Let's do it. Uh, that's that's our W. That's what right I'm rooting for. <laughs> that's that's our finals right there. And then um, Minnesota hasn't won in like a million years. They haven't won. Here's a fun fact for you: the Minnesota Timberwolves have not won with Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup since Thanksgiving. I, I heard that from a I heard that from a basketball show, and what what do what do you think that means to you? Does that mean that Carl Anthony Towns obviously isn't a negative on your team? Does that mean that they didn't construct their roster correctly? They've really tried to, to I, I, create something around him. 
Yeah, I don't really. It's hard to say. It's I don't know why. I I think part of it's just bad luck. Um, because it's not like they were good when he was out. You know, it's not like I mean they were better than they were, but like it's not like they were like blowing the league away. They just happened to win a few games. They won five. They were like five and ten or something without him. Carl Anthony Towns is overrated. I'm just gonna say that right now. Cats over. Cats overrated. I think (laughs) I I I would love to actually put a list together for you because I I don't like to say stuff off the cuff like this. But if I was starting a, a team, I mean Maybe he's in the forties of of the first uh, pick for me. <laughs> here's here he is a an incredible offensive player. Um, here's the Carl uh, Nanny Town stat for you. And now my I have to log in. Carl um, Anthony Towns. So I've used cleaning the glass on here before. As a, I use it all the time because they have great stats and great. Yeah, you love it. Yeah, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns is in the 100th percentile in his on-off offensive rating, like how much better the Timberwolves are, are offensively with him on the court as opposed to with off the court. He's in the 100th percentile, so like best in the league. Defensively, he is in the first percentile in on-off rating. So, so he gives away what he what he gets. He ge- he gives yeah. away what he what he gives to the to the team. He's a net positive. He's a net positive overall, because but I don't know if I've ever seen a player that is statistically this season the best offensive player in terms of how much they help their team get better, and while simultaneously being like the also the worst defensive player. Like that's such a that's such a massive uh, dichotomy between offense and defense. Which is this cat? That's why you're not an all star, Bradley Beal. That's why you're not an all star because you guys aren't playing defense. Stop whining. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> if you get nothing so, from this pod, from this episode of this podcast, stop whining. Whether you're yes, local everybody. flipping media, everybody, <laughs> including myself. Everybody, stop whining. For me, <laughs> make me to, to satisfy me. Please stop whining. But yeah, I still don't. I think. But anyway, all that to say, I think the Timberwolves will start winning games again because of. Andrew Wiggins being gone because I don't think he's a very effective player. And then I think that, you know, when, when changes are made, especially when it's something like bringing in a player of D'Angelo Russell's caliber, it can kind of galvanize. Especially the team when it's a point kind of, guard. Yeah. And they like yeah. each other and they can play the pick and roll. Yeah. yeah. All that good stuff. So they, I think they'll start winning games and the Hornets are like the, they're the third team they'll play with their new roster and it'll be after they play the Clippers and the Raptors. So they're like, all right, we got to get this win against the Hornets because I don't know if they'll get those wins against the Clippers and Raptors. And right, that'll well, start so do this again. What do you think after the all-star game? Yeah. Oh, we do need real quick to wrap up the show. We got to give props yeah. to uh, all the Hornets that are going to be at all-star weekend. Okay. Start, start uh, the list. It's <laughs> Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, Devontae Graham, all in the Rising Stars game, just taking up like a third of that roster. That's cool. I like it. Yeah. On Team Team USA against Team World, and then Devontae Graham is also going to be in the three point shootout. Which let's go. Give us something to cheer for. <laughs> let's do it. How much elevation he gets on his shot, I feel like is going to take. Like he might not even finish. 
like he's gonna run out of time because he has such a you know he he jumps so high he's gonna take a long yeah. time to like come back down and reset himself to take the next shot. <laughs> but it'll be fun to watch. Did you see that they added uh like the long like the really long threes? Yeah, well, I saw. I didn't. I don't know what the details are. I saw that they added a, but they're shooting from the corners. You know, they're they're going around the, around the horn, or you know, around the three point line. Are they? Did they add a position? How does that going to work? Yeah. So as far as I can tell, you start in the corner like you always do, and then you go to the to the wing like you always do, and then you take one shot from like thirty feet away on like a mountain. It's a sponsored like Mountain Dew something shot. Gotcha. And I think it's worth three points it's worth more than a money ball and then you go down to the top of the key and then you go back out for another deep shot and then you finish as normal huh and they added That's 10 fun, seconds man. to the timer to it. give you that time i do too it'll be fun i appreciate all the the changes they made to try to make things exciting like the first team the the kind of modified elam ending to the end of the all-star game and all that stuff yeah for sure especially when it's a tribute to kobe too yeah but we'll, we'll we can talk about that all after the fact in our thoughts of it in action as opposed to in theory when we come back probably after the all-star break with the new episode of the at the eye podcast see you guys later peace out kobe